Well, welcome back, listeners, to Act 5, As I Live It. This is Episode 40. Let the games begin! September 2023. On your mark. Get set. Go! Well, child, another history maker is in the books. Coco Golf at 19 won the 2023 U.S. Open for tennis, and she did so in the Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York. I watched every stroke of that finals match. I worried through the first set that the pressure might be too much for the young black girl from Florida. But just before she lost that set, I saw Coco give her coaches the sign to stop telling her what to do and leave her alone to figure out how to beat the 25-year-old from Belarus. And that's just what Coco did. The rest break between the first and second sets gave her enough time to assess how to beat a tennis player who pummeled the ball across the net making it very difficult for Coco to not only hit the ball in the court, but to see it coming quickly over the net. I watched how Coco's confidence grew, how even though she might have hit a ball into the net, she never seemed to chastise her error. Rather, Coco put on a face of determination and told herself she could do it, I could see her talking to herself as the camera did a close-up, close enough to see the kick-ass look in her eyes. Her acceptance speech was more mature than the former president's rally ones. Coco was poised and purposeful with her remarks, and maybe just like number 45, did not mince words when she spoke directly to those who doubted her ability to win a Grand Slam. Her win brought me to tears. You would have thought I was her trainer, or her coach, or a close relative. Tennis has been a difficult sport for the non-elite cultures in the country, in this country, and to see someone come along after Venus and Serena who paved a wide path to the courts was an emotional moment for me. I've seen both Venus and Serena play both times in New York at the U.S. Open. I used to play tennis a lot when I first moved to my present county. I joined a tennis ladder and met several like-minded middle-aged women. A few of us decided to go to the U.S. Open in the late 90s. We took the train to New York and agreed on the ceiling amount we would pay scalpers for tickets since our decision To go was a last-minute idea. When the Arthur Ashe Stadium had had its grand opening, we were there for the night match and saw Venus play in her first U.S. Open. What a moment! Many years later, a different group of us went to see Serena win her 21st or 22nd Grand Slam. But that year, she didn't make it past the semifinals. There are four times a year that I become a couch potato. There are four tennis grand slams. Need I say more? 
I generally don't like watching the men play because their matches aren't nearly as exciting as the women, except for when Roger Federer from Switzerland played. That man performed ballet on the court as he deftly moved about the court making winning shots until the young Spanish player Carlos Alcarez hit the scene. My attention was solely on the women matches. The tennis season may be over, but that doesn't mean the TV will be void of games. September is the month for the start of football. Football has become almost as important in this country as oil, prescription drugs, and the Federal Reserve's latest increase for interest rates. I like football, always have. My family is a football-watching family. We supported the Coats when they played for Baltimore. Lord, don't even bring that subject up when my mother is around. She will never forgive them for moving the team away in the dark of night and becoming the Indianapolis Coats. It did little to assuage her ire when Tom Dungy, a black man, became the coach. A successful one at that. Somehow, before the sneaky exodus, Mom and Daddy were lucky enough to buy season tickets for home games when I was a preteen. And when the Colts weren't playing at the 33rd Street Stadium, all of us watched the game on our black and white 13-inch console TV. (laughs) There was more console than TV, child. Mom would get excited if a player ran the ball into the end zone. Daddy could have been an ESPN commentator if such a thing existed in the 60s. He was hard on any player who didn't seem to carry his weight. Lenny Moore, number 24, was his favorite. So was number 8, John Mackey. Number 88, John Mackey. They may have been the only two black players on the team. My, how things have changed. You can watch football now almost seven days a week on any given network or cable channel. And if you want to see your favorite weeknight drama and it follows a game, you just might have to wait for an hour before it begins because football airing takes precedence. precedence. Even 60 minutes can be delayed, child. A few days before I published this episode, I prepared my dinner so that I could watch Jeopardy. But guess what? It was preempted by a blankety-blank football pregame show. You know I was hot. But the late summer isn't just for tennis and football. On any given day, you can find golf, soccer, pickleball, the newest rave, basketball, and baseball, especially the World Series. Formula for a sports junkie high. But football takes the cake in that there are a zillion games on Sunday, including Sunday night, then Monday night football, Thursday night football, playoff games on Saturday, and let's not forget Thanksgiving Day, Christmas, and New Year's Day college football. HBCU football, that's historically black colleges and universities, 
have, have become, has become a hot news item ever since former Hall of Famer Deion Sanders became Jackson State University's winning coach. He's a bad mother, shut your mouth. But I'm talking about Primetime. That's his nickname. Coach Prime be talking much trash, too. Kind of reminds me of Muhammad Ali. And like Ali, Sanders backs up his talk with good action. He recently left Jackson State to coach at Colorado State University. The media is having a duck fit because Coach Prime has transformed the losing white football team to one that has won three games in a row and one of his two football-playing sons is quarterback. Everybody loves a winner, he said on 60 Minutes recently. But maybe not. Just because the coach has done what he said he would do, he is now seen as arrogant and full of himself since he thinks he is the best coach ever. I wonder what they would call him had he not done what he said he would do. You better shut your mouth on that word, child, and give the man his theme music. Sometimes it's crystal clear how little progress this country has made regarding justice and equality for all. A few weeks ago, the political arena had one of its games. The first Republican presidential debate for the upcoming 2024 season, uh, uh, I mean election, was aired prime time. The current eight candidates stood before a live audience while two news personalities moderated the match. I didn't watch it, but of course the late night and next morning news filled me in on the ridiculous comments, taunting, grandstanding, and outright lying that took place. What made me so happy that I didn't waste my time was learning that six of the eight would support the twice impeached, three or four times indicted former president if nominated, despite his criminal record. I recall one voter being interviewed afterwards who said he was a strong supporter of the front runner and would accept having a president run the country from jail. His number one son frequently spouts about behavior. He calls this one cognitive dissonance. Similar to Bea Richards in In the Heat of the Night, I say, these people have gone crazy out of their minds. There will be more debates forthcoming for the next general election, and I know I won't be in the stands. Another example of political gaming is the recent decision by Kevin McCarthy, the new House Speaker, to initiate an inquiry for impeachment of the current president, Joe Biden. Now, you know and I know that this is pure retaliation, a tit for tat. Yet the words so erroneously as well as tirelessly overused by politicians like McCarthy are, the American people believe, the American people want to, the American people, blah, blah, blah. Seriously? 
I bet those of you listening to this episode are American, and I bet you do not want to do more digging about the substance abuser Hunter Biden and whether his daddy was involved. I also bet that the Hunter Biden issue was one of the bargaining chips used by certain Republicans if they voted for McCarthy to be Speaker of the House. What a low-level ploy. Aren't there more serious issues these overpaid politicians could tackle? Yes, there are, but I won't list them now. I'm sure you can come up with a few. I am just sick and tired of Congress and the games they play. Everybody needs to call a time out. Let me not leave out the halftime shows that will certainly not entertain us as we get closer to election season. You know what I mean. The campaign ads. I get so annoyed with the play on words or the film clips taken out of context. What kind of voter cheers for such low blows? I can't imagine anyone believing such smear campaigns. There should be an official referee who reviews all campaign ads before a candidate gets permission to air them, like a player checking in at the stats desk in a basketball game. But to tell you the truth, I like playing games, board and word games especially. Thinking games usually played indoors at the kitchen table. Games like chess, boggle, scrabble, categories, and sometimes mahjong. As a child, we played games outside all the time. You may remember hearing about one or two from previous episodes. During the summer when school was out, we played hide-and-seek, red light, hopscotch, marbles, jump rope, dodgeball, baseball, and come fall we would play football. I love to play baseball and football. Yep, you guessed it. I was a tomboy. Do they still use that term now with the whole pronoun nuance in our lexicon? Anyway, the boys would pick me to be on their team because even though I was a girl, they knew I would help them win. My father did not like that I was playing with the boys, especially once I turned 11 and a half, almost 12. I don't have to explain that one to you, do I? Well, anyway, one day I waited until Daddy drove off to work or wherever he was going before I left the house and headed for the factory parking lot next door where the boys would be playing baseball. Just as I was about to take my place at bat, a car drove by stealthily and my heart dropped when I saw it was Daddy's car. He could care less that I would be embarrassed when he yelled at me and told me to go home. And of course, I was punished for a good while after that incident. No more football or baseball for me. I learned to play solitaire while I was punished. I think we had at least one deck of cards, probably because Mom liked to play Pocino when the extended family had gatherings. 
Nowadays, you don't need cards to play solitaire because it is available on just about any digital device. It's a great game for teaching elderly people how to use a mouse or their finger on touchscreen devices. Just ask mom. 2024 is just three months away and the year the premier games of all games, the Summer Olympic Games, will be played. This time, they will be played in Paris, a city I have yet to spend more than a few hours in. Simone Biles is back in the picture, and I certainly will be watching the gymnastics events, especially in hopes that the gravity-defying mini-woman will set more records. Talk about someone flying through the air with the greatest of ease. The relays are also one of my favorite events to watch. The speed, the coordination of passing the baton, the strategy in putting the runners in the right position. These elements of running make watching this American-dominated event extremely exciting. For individual racing, I wonder who will be the next Carl Lewis, or Hussein Bolt, or Florence Griffith Joyner, or Jackie Joyner Kersey. I'll be a couch potato for many days and nights watching and cheering for our country's best athletes. And to that, I say, let the games begin, child. <laughs> Postscript. This is the 40th episode of Act 5 As I Live It podcast. And I cannot tell you how gratifying it has been to share my reflections, experiences, and perspectives with you. If over the last three and a half years you have not received an invitation to listen to one of them, it is not because I did not want you to. I probably forgot to send it to you. As I've aged, my memory isn't as great as it once was, but there is a way you can find the earlier ones. Clicking on the invitation link that I did send you, if you scroll down the resulting page, you will see all of the previous episodes. Also, my podcast is available via Spotify, which is a free app. Thank you for your comments, feedback, and encouragement. You gave me energy to keep sharing my experiences, perspectives, and reflections. I wish you peace, good health, and lots of love. Till next time.